everyone, in today's episode I'm joined with Paul, and, and Paul has autism and he does lots to raise awareness for autism as well, with a lot of his work. So, so, so thank you Paul for joining me today. That's alright, nice to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a, um, a great chat and, and, and I know you do quite a lot towards autism and raising awareness as well. Yes, yeah, I've been doing advocacy work for about 11 years um, and that includes speeches, training, consultancy. So yeah, it's been it's been a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I know before you started that um, you, you said you you, you you had a speech um, like today as well. Yes, yeah, that, that speech was um, about, because there's obviously different topics, so that was life with autism. Um, that was, a, I suppose, a, a webinar or workshop which people could can tune into for a month. So there's kind of, it's recorded and then it, it's left um, in, internally for people to sign up on. Um, and I've done work and continue to do work for Autism Bucks, which is local to me, and uh, Naz Lambeth uh, with Vanessa Bob, and also Anna Kennedy in the summer. I've got some workshops lined up there, and Ali um, from Ollie's Superheroes, as, as I've also done a speech there and planning to correspond with, with her as well. So yeah, it's been surprisingly busy the latter half of last year and early this year. Yeah, yeah. And like, did, like, like, um, how, how have you been like with like the change? Because uh, like, it must be a, a lot of change because like maybe doing it from home instead of actually going to the places and, and doing like, like your speeches. Yeah, the the change of, of not going on buses and commuting via trains and taxis, etc. Um, is it's different. I mean, it's obviously you're in the safety, or you'd like to think you're in the safety of your home. So it didn't take me as long to adjust as. I thought, however, I do like, despite the challenges it imposes, I do like traveling and I do like um, commuting, even though there's certain elements of it that are, are quite challenging, I, I still like to do it. So it was almost really like a, a natural fluid transition in, in some ways because I've done webinars and uh, before, not to this extent, obviously, but I had some idea about how they work and what you do. Um, so, all in all, that that was actually okay. Yeah, uh, I do think that, like, I know it's been a it's been a tough time, hasn't it? Like, we've having to cancel things, maybe not being able to go in person to be said, but um, I, I think it is good to take good things out of it. About like what's happened through this past year as well. Yeah, I think it gives you time to reflect on yourself, um, what what you may have been laying off because of 
not being in the home for long periods. You may have been laying off certain things or you may have been putting off certain things that actually you've got more more time to do and more time to focus on. And actually, I suppose in the broader sense, it actually makes you appreciate things more, at least in my opinion, um, it's made me appreciate more things um, and being around um, people uh, or, or valuing their company more because you can't see them in, in a physical sense. Yeah. So in that, in that, from that idea, yes, it has been reflected. Yeah, I, I think that I think like it, I think like, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, like you, you kind of like, appreciate things more, which what was happened. And although that um, we might be in more, like, but we might find new things to do, like have more time to start new things as well. And I think yeah, I think it's it's always good to just maybe start something new and, and try out these new things that maybe we haven't done before. Yes, yeah, it is, it is an opportunity to maybe focus on, on more more connective things and more and more um, uh, potentially um, self-reflective and um, and well, what I suppose what I mean by more connected things is is that you're actually doing things for you as opposed to essentially other people. It's it's putting you into a different frame of thinking. And sometimes people struggle to be alone, and that's 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 quite normal because human beings are are social animals. But there's different tolerance levels of 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 how much people can be solitary and that varies from person to person and that will vary through their lifetime so it's just being aware of what what you have and what what you've got with you and what skills you can learn through this 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 rather unusual situation yeah yeah and it's very it's like like through the past year i don't think I don't think all of us maybe thought it would go on this long and kind of realising maybe what's happened in the past year as well and it can be, be hard as well like I think it affects quite a lot of people's mental health too but I think like bringing autism into it it kind of like like, like you may find that that you have to do more things a certain way or you just have to get realised kind of more with your autism sometimes yes yeah you have to figure out different strategies um, that, that may be beneficial for you in the long run and that um, can be challenging can be difficult for uh, certain people depending on what their, their, their profile is and how their presentation and what challenges that they have specifically to the different parts that one is talking about so in that sense, it's very, it's very person-centered about what those challenges may be, depending on um, their own specific profile. So for, for me, maybe the challenges are, are more um, to do with, um, you know, just walking around the village, which I've tried to embed in a routine um, and all the 
the, the challenges that come around that. And I should, sometimes I forget to wear the tints, which is not good because then it, it makes the, the process harder to, to, to move around the, the visual environment. So I'll have to remember to put those on. And also, um, I'm not, I'm kind of indifferent if people talk to me or not around the village, but I know for some people on the spectrum that could be an issue with, with encountering people and whether they um, have got social phobia or social anxiety disorder, that may in turn impact um, the, the process of going out maybe in a more insular way because I live in a village. So uh, the, the challenges come from the, the motivatory aspect of it um, and sequencing it and the, the visual perceptual challenges that come with it r rather than, you know, secondary conditions like anxiety that may affect someone else. So it's, it's really very person-centered. However, the, the, the positive aspects of going out is obviously um, cardiovascular weight because I'm overweight I'm, I'm, I'm around two or three stone overweight although I've lost around 11 pounds so I'm, I, my BMI has gone down so in that sense it's a driver for, for going out to get more healthy and to also effectively lose weight I think it is, it is good to go out, but I can imagine how hard it can be by doing that when, like, realising, like, with the pandemic and everything like that, that it's scary times. It is scary times um, for everybody. Just, yeah. just, just even going out can be hard for some people. Um, and, like, when what I tend to do, it, I know it can be hard to go out, like, if it's locked down or not, but um, I, what I tend to do is where... Where I live, I tend to try and go to the countryside where, like, I'll go out with people in my household, but I wouldn't see anyone else. And like, I like when it's much safer. Hopefully, we can do that again. See, see our friends and family that maybe we haven't seen for a while. But um, it takes time, I think. Yeah, so I, I, it's a personal opinion, but I don't think we'll be close to any sense of um, it's the wrong word to use normality because there's I don't think that's the right word to use because we can't go back to how we used to be so we'll have to find something else but if you're talking about the um, the aspect of socializing or meeting up connecting with family and friends I personally don't think that'll be happening until next year and um, I, I I kind of made my mind up last year, really, um, and that that's helped me personally. That that we are certainly not going to be out of it in in 2021. So um, yeah, I, I'm certainly not going to make any plans to go out in the summer to places, um, and certainly no holidays that that all people are, seem to be really fighting for but if you actually think of the broader perspective of what's going on what is the point of going on holiday and getting infected or 
infecting someone else or being a carrier, which people always forget, because if you're a carrier, you may be asymptomatic, and then you're actually putting other people in danger, elderly people, people with poor immune systems, people who um, may have big families or or meet other other people. So, yeah, I... I don't think it will be until next year that we are going to see some sort of clarity about uh, moving in and around spaces like we used to prior to COVID. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and and like uh, when you think about when people do it, eventually allowed on a on a holiday, and and like everyone, 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 most people will want to go on a holiday. And yes. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be very packed, and I don't think it's the best idea to go on holiday at first. It's gonna be very, like, lots of people will be doing that, and well, like, also with the vaccine, it will probably take the whole, probably a whole year to get, eventually, most of the, like, population vaccinated, and it, yes. that, and and that could even go into next year as well. So, although that there are, there are, if no. As we say, we're in tough times. There are those kind of things to look forward to. That sort of what's going to happen next when um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel at some point. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem is the way the the prime minister kept um, implying heavily that it's that there's going to be this resolve. Um, and I think that was a great error on his part when he's got two scientists beside him. Were saying one thing and saying um, it from a sort of clinical, biological perspective, because obviously they um, know the science and they they're into microbiology and virology, which we're not. I'm not a specialist in either of those things. And then you've got obviously a prime minister saying, "Oh, you know, we'll be back doing this and doing that," but you know when you actually tally up the figures and we've got the worst, um, in terms of surplus populace, we've got the worst um, death toll in, in Europe and close to the worst death toll in the world. So I think there's there's something to be said about how people um, deal with these situations and not only that, how people um, actually communicate the situation to uh, a grander uh, audience which is the, the general public so I've had to personally I've had to switch it off um, about Covid because I personally cannot rely on someone who who keeps changing the goalposts and then then actually causes great confusion and then actually by causing great confusion from what I've learned it's actually um, given people carte blanche to move about and infect people so it doesn't make a lot of sense Um, so clarity is certainly very important particularly as you said when we're coming out of this um, pandemic we will we all will need clarity and I think you brought up a very good thing about uh, holidays you know how are they going to imagine the massive surplus of people who will want to go on holiday not just you know abroad but actually going to the seaside or, or, or wanting a break um, you've actually pointed out a very interesting thing that I now you've made me think of it will probably happen yeah. Um, yeah. next summer or earlier 
it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting what happens and I, I, I totally agree with like with the confusion with like I like like like, like, like with all, all the like statements that are, are yeah. being given and, and some are very confusing like um like I think one statement was uh, I think quite near the start of the pandemic or um, midway through when you had um, them they saying that it work when you can but um, stay home if you can and, and like, like, lower that statement that is quite confusing because do you go out go to work or do you not so that, 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 that's another thing that can really confuse people yeah you you've hit the nail right on the head in terms of you know that's such a subjective statement you know how long is work what you can how long is stay at home what you can um, when you actually weigh up those two um, statements and then of course the the managers and the people who you work for are going to have a different idea of what work what you can means and stay at home what you can means and then sadly um i know a friend who um he feels and I, I don't know if you agree that he's kind of like part of the unsung group of people who are, are the retail workers and if you think about, and he's actually got a very good point where if you think about what's been helping feed the nation it's been um the, the folks you know who continue to work in retail continue working um in the supermarkets and i i really felt for him you know because he totally agreed with the NHS, particularly the people, the paramedics and the people uh, who uh, work in the intensive care units, obviously with the seriously ill, seeing a lot of death and a lot of serious illness. He, he, he totally agreed and acknowledged, of course they should be um, applauded and more than that, you know, a, a, you know national acknowledgement of the, of the sacrifices they're making. But I suppose equally, what he's trying to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm actually risking myself by going into work in a public environment, even though there's distancing. There's still a great risk. So yeah, I, I think there's there's probably more people um, who, who are doing more than we think. We just don't hear about them. Um, so that 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 kind of made me think his 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 perception of what's going on in his, his situation at the workplace which was very interesting definitely and I also feel that it's kind of like um, it goes in kind of pattern really like with the lockdowns and easing the, the restrictions really um, yes. because like at the moment like um, like lots of things are, are starting to open up now like I think we got um, this week that schools and colleges I think that's just yeah. recently started to open and in the plan which is very confusing <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. in the plan to come out of lockdown in june i believe um yeah. just in time for the prime minister's birthday as well i think <laughs> yeah. Yeah. celebration uh, i'm sure and, and the european championships of course but <laughs> but but i but for through that i think like it's but the numbers are very high i think as well still and like like yes. uh, going back to the first lockdown, where, um, where, where where I think when the colleges and schools were shut, I, I believe that the numbers were quite low at that stage. And it, yes. it, it, even though they, they were still quite high when we were 
recently before they allowed schools and colleges to open. I feel maybe it's a bit too soon that maybe if we went on lockdown for maybe a large period of time instead of like going in and out, that would maybe we'd be in a better place maybe and have a feel more safer. Yeah, I think I think what you, you're pointing out is the R number, you know, the, the rate of infection of, over a populace. And the R number creeps up. It's at point something now, um, but it will not take long for it to, you know, go from point eight to point nine, and then once it's over one, then you've got a, a significant problem. And um, you know, the immunity of little children. They, they. I don't know if this is the right terminology. Again, it seems quite fear fear mongering but I think they're trying to make a point you know they call them super spreaders don't they where you know they they're able to take the virus into uh, places because they're little children and um, I suppose there's a double-edged sword there because children build up their development all children whether they're on the spectrum or not children in general build up their development through interaction um, and I think it's a difficult one because there's been a fallout in adolescent mental health anyway. Um, but again, I'm going to go back to the point of when we go back to quote, quote, normal, I think we've got to reevaluate what that was. Um, I don't, I suppose I have been sort of indirectly political, but in a way it's beyond, you know, what your beliefs are about how the world should run. I just think if you look at the fact that there's been 10 years of austerity, um, lots and lots of cuts to social services, councils, etc. And I think maybe we need to reevaluate um, money and spending and where it should go. And um, I've always been a great um, a support of social security and benefits but not a great support of how they do it <laughs> um, and certainly not a great support of what they give you um, because it doesn't rise with inflation which is really odd so you get a surplus of money and I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not very business minded but I understand with money it's got to move with the financial climate yeah. and so if um, bills go up and food goes up if you're if you're if your money remains static it means you've lost it doesn't mean you've gained and i, I feel uh, yeah that after this we've got to start rethinking how councils can bring back communities i know it sounds like a cliche um because it gets spoken about a lot in that way but i really do think we need to reevaluate communities and and get in you know day centers up not not just for elderly for all ages and getting a sense of community um back and actually a balance in in sort of financial structure um so that people don't necessarily have to live with worry all the time um, poverty, child poverty is up, which is an awful revelation that a, a country that is what third or fourth it richest in the world has food poverty where, you know, parents have to decide whether or not to eat in the evening. 
um, I think that's rather worrying. And also, if you add a pandemic into this, you know, the way you build up your immune system is through eating, through getting vitamins and minerals through food. So if you're not getting the right substance, it kind of tallies up that maybe you're more susceptible and more poorly, get more poorly as a result. So, yeah. It is quite surprising, like, like with that as well, like with all that and like, luckily, like, I think it's getting a bit better. Like I think Marcus Rashford, it, like the footballer, he, he did quite some work uh, trying to get to get those mills out to like those like the yes. children out there, everything yeah. like that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's he he done a, a really sterling job. I mean, he 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 should be in the government, if in my opinion, um, or, or should be at least in a well. I don't think at least is the right word. At most, an advisor. Or the government, or, or some sort of um, position, because he done an amazing amount of work of, you know, actually pointing out that this is wrong, this shouldn't be happening, and we we have got the resources to do something about anything if you have open-minded people. So it's not necessarily just about the position of the person; it's about their mindset, why they're doing it, and, and what they want to get out of it. So it, that's what I mean about infrastructure. It's, yeah, you have councillors and politicians and that, but it's about what they're in it for and what their, what their goals are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and, and like going back to like the news of like coronavirus and everything, like I, I think that, that like we said confuses people. And if it can, it, like the amount of people on the spectrum, are, I can tell how much they're confused. And maybe because there's so many types of autism and so many ways that we, 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 everyone's different and experience it in different ways. So people yes. may not understand. And it's very confusing. And for, for one, like I, I've decided not to watch them much anymore. Uh, although I'll probably get a, a, a ding on my, on my phone saying what's going yes. on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. No, I think that's a very good idea. To it's a similar strategy that I've done. Um, I find it deeply upsetting emotionally, thinking about the you know the families that have lost loved ones. It's very hard to re- it's hard to hear, it's hard to see, um, and it's hard to see that death toll. Yeah, you know, just going up each day. Very very disconcerting. And I think self care is fine. I think if you if you are, you know, getting very, very anxious. I mean, I'll give you an example of a, another uh, chap who, who I know on the spectrum who, who I, I work with, with his parents. And he, um, when Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, would say about these goalposts, he would um, obviously take that literally. And then he would obviously think about the date and the the time of change and then it would be changed and he perceived that and I think it's important how he perceived it as a lie he, he perceived it that the people are lying to me you know that, that there's been one thing and then it's changed and and um, caused massive amounts of that anxiety for him and also the conceptualization of what a pandemic is it's got nothing to do with necessarily a lack of intelligence it's just about the the levels of information processing one can take 
and um, it, it, it's it's about being mindful of that, like you're saying. Uh, there are some people that are really going to struggle to, um, you know, actually. Uh, it's it, it's not necessarily lack of understanding. It's just that someone, maybe this is a better way of phrasing it. It's someone through not necessarily fault of the people around them, because it's not necessarily about judgment. Um, not, it's people not necessarily supplying it in a way in which they can process, rather than they'll never understand it or limited understanding. Um, it may be more to do with how we look at different strategies for people to be able, in their world, in their, in their reality, understand what's going on um so i wonder if that's that's a way forward for the people to, to, to kind of look at different systems and different be open-minded enough to to see different ways uh, in which people access information yeah, I, I, I completely agree and like uh, I, I, I i completely understand what like how your friend is thinking about like lies of course because mm. um like seeing it like change all the time and like of course with autism that sometimes we can take things more literal more more seriously and maybe like 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 you have that routine it goes back to that routine saying like like maybe for example like we're coming out of like lockdown a particular time that could change and like of course like with people putting that set time down thinking we're coming out of lockdown on I think it's the 21st of June. I, I might be wrong, um, but um, so that could change. And like, but like, but like, people will be thinking, "Hang on, why has it changed?" Like, for, for through the whole past year, a lot of things have changed. Not even the pandemic, but going through yes. like set set dates, saying we're, we're doing something at a certain time, and then that gets changed. Then um, it does confuse a lot of people. Yes, and it, it's why. Clarity is also important, but it, it's also, I suppose, for someone like the young man I, I, I've spoken about, uh, maybe, in, you, you know, it's not necessarily the fault of the speaker. Um, I don't, I don't want to kind of say it is because it's just the way different communication styles and different ways people present uh, information. However, uh, I feel that maybe it's um, the way in which people talk about these little goalposts of dates and dates being extremely specific. Maybe it's, it's actually important to actually admit that I haven't got a date, that I haven't got a, a date in mind or a clear view of what's going on. Although that doesn't give much overall clarity, it does at least convey honesty. You know, I don't actually know when this is going to end. And I, for me personally, just just communication, just an honesty and humility point of view, just someone putting their hands up and saying, actually, I don't know when this is going to finish. I have an idea with all the structures put in place, the jabs, inoculation, etc., etc. But yeah, putting very rigid time frames is, isn't helpful, particularly if they changed or don't even happen. And I, I do. I don't think anyone really knows when it's going to end. 
because no. in my opinion I think it's going to be something that we've had to got used to or like we can't again used to it now and I think uh, maybe even four to five years time we'll, we'll still be hearing about coronavirus and it'll probably still be about but maybe not as bad but as it is now we like by then I would have thought most people would have the vaccine by then even though it's a yeah. it's some form of protection and I maybe feel a bit more safer with it but like um it's hard because like everyone won't want it everyone has their opinions about having the vaccination or not so that, that that's the way forward and like as you said before some people like, are symptomatic and don't know the habit and some do so yes in that way everyone's different and we all have different experiences yeah i i think it might following on from what you've said it might become a seasonal thing like flu like when we have the flu jab at the end of the year i i i, I could be wrong but i don't know if it was uh chris witty or or balance who or, or van tam who said about it being like an, a, a seasonal inoculation similar to um the flu like you're talking about where we, we, we are going to have COVID, um, uh, uh, SARS-2, whatever you call it, um, but we, 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 we're able to live with it um, and live as alongside it rather than it causing the, 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 the massive um, wave of, of, of death and sadness um, that it's causing. So. Yeah, I, I, it's quite clear that the the inoculation is is the way forward. I know people have got different views on it, but some people, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, some people just do not have a very good immune system. So it, it, it that means that you know it's it, they're at high risk. So if you if you tally that up, it's about your own biology and your own immunity and whether you might, might be more susceptible and that could be age related and it could be non-age related so it could be nothing to do with the fact that you're elderly and things are slowing down naturally it could be to do with the fact that you're you've got an immune problem which means that you need uh, a jab more more um, readily or, or yeah. quickly i think there's a tier system isn't that yeah, so, yeah. there is like there are so many different things like uh, me personally I, I i have a like i speak to on, on my podcast i pull people on the spectrum of autism and people with ibd stands for inflammatory bowel disease like crohn disease ulcerative colitis and I, I i have crohn's as well um so that kind of damages my immune system and the drugs that i'm on are to treat for cancer patients so uh i, I i've had my first like my first dose of the vaccine already so like um yeah it, i think it comes into terms where you, you say with autism where you do get it comes up a lot that you don't like, look like you have autism and for it, that comes for the same with different illnesses like Crohn's disease and inflammatory bowel disease in a similar kind of term where they say you, you don't look like you have Crohn's but in, in, in that kind of context it's it, it's just it, it comes to say that what do what are you supposed to look like 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 with autism uh, you, you'll get maybe more severe people that uh, look, in a way that it, it's not nice 
or to hear like people are more severe but in a way in a way it, it can be helpful for for other people to notice that they actually have autism for maybe us that we have kind of to explain ourselves yeah i think different presentations um warrant different reactions by the, the <clears throat> by the general public so um, you, it, the way people reacted to me when I was it, it, younger was different to now and that's very individualized isn't it so um, I, I was severely uh, mean and deaf and mean and blind and didn't gain functional speech until about seven or eight years old I was echolalic and, um, I appeared to be deaf and blind, but it wasn't to do with my sensory organs, it was to do with information processing challenges which affected auditory language and visual perception. So I was very kinesthetic associative in terms of integrating information. So uh, lots of touching, sniffing, licking, tapping and sculpting and, and, and actually exploring the world in that way. Uh, I was about 90% mean and deaf, so it wasn't the fact that I was literal, it didn't even get to the point of literal. So marrying up words and language with pictures um, or words on a blackboard was very difficult for me to associate and mentalise, because mentalising is how you build up your inner world. Um, and I've met, you know, and spoken to, rather, um, people who are functionally non-verbal, uh, so they get inaccurate labels like retardation. And, and the problem is with words like mental retardation is, uh, I, I suppose, retard is French for slow. So what you're effectively saying is that the person is slow-minded. Minded. Yeah. So that's yeah. just where that comes from. Um, which is completely inaccurate. So you can get people who are functionally non-verbal who have oral apraxia or full body apraxia and other information processing challenges. But if um, there's been enough evidence uh, to, to show that typing or um, supplying them with technology, they're able to speak. just being accepting of the systems without necessarily um, fully understanding them um, and sometimes it just takes um, a mindset before maybe gaining more technical knowledge so it, it, it's not necessarily about the knowledge itself it's how you use it and what your mindset is before so if we think about uh, my parents and how they accepted my system I didn't necessarily intrinsically fully understand why I did the things I did but they had uh, an awareness and an empathy that meant that they saw that it had a function and that it was meaningful and it was a way of communicating so in that aspect I, I was lucky in other aspects in terms of the village where i lived you, there was bullying from uh five years old so that was before i was functionally verbal about functional speech so in a sense it was a learned experience it was a it was an experience um being around that environment 
and it's effectively what I've learned through being bullied is that gaps in knowledge is fine. Gaps in knowledge means that you could potentially strike up a dialogue if the person's minded enough and less fearful enough to listen to it. And as I've got older, um, you realise that it is about the, the open-mindedness or lack thereof the person um, or it's the fact that they don't understand what you're saying because it's out of the realms of their experience etc so perception changes over time particularly with me when I was younger and as I've got older you know it's um, it's about picking and choosing who, who you want to potentially discuss it with um, and how you want um, how you want to strike that up is it is it necessary to in the broader sense or is it a case where you're going to a hospital or going to a GP practice and you have to in some way um, have this dialogue um, so yeah it changes over time and also perceptions of what is autism has changed from decade to decade so in the 1940s to the 1950s they thought it was an attachment disorder so they thought it was the disorder of attachment in the 1960s they thought it was a form of madness so they, you know the label was childhood psychosis and that went up until the 1980s people were being diagnosed with that in the 1970s to the 1980s mental retardation so that's a frame of thought, isn't it? It's inaccurate, it's a frame of thought. Uh, in uh, the 1990s, Asperger's syndrome, because it was introduced into the diagnostic manual, and Tony Atwood re wrote a seminal book on it in 1998, The Guide to Asperger's Syndrome. In the noughties, it was about sensory issues, sensory integration, sensory perception. And in, in the tens to teens, we've had a mixture of different things. Um, in terms of guts, immune, metabolic oncology challenges and disorders, very much what you're talking about yourself uh, with Crohn's, um, an irritable bowel and inflammatory bowel. Um, there's been correlations with some people with autism having um, disorders of the bowel, disorders of digestion, and there's been uh, studies in autism and autoimmune uh, challenges which can range from something chronic like eczema to something you know life limiting and life threatening like cancer um, for example my father had um, leukemia um, over 10 years ago diagnosed with Asperger's and um, he had a p50 so he had a gene deletion p53 it's a protein that protects a cell and they done studies in America and of, of four was it 40 to 50 adults on the spectrum male and all of them had either partial or complete uh, gene deletion and the reason why that's an important gene is it's because it's uh, called the guardian angel gene of cancer so you're more susceptible to getting cancer so leukemia is uh, uh, um, to do with uh, the white blood cell and the autoimmune system 
So, and now what we've got is we're, we're talking about not only those things, but hypermobility, people whose limbs are hypermobile and they're prone to dislocations, to Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a collagen disorder where um, collagen is basically the invisible glue that, um, that, that binds um, skin, organ, muscle, etc. And if we think about, you know, you said about the gut, your digestive system, which is really interesting. Um, uh, a lady called Donna Williams, who's had big past, who had Ehlers-Danlos type four. Um, she got early onset diverticulitis, which is very common in the elderly. It's basically where the, the, the intestines kind of sag. So, you know, like a balloon that's blown up. Yeah, and, yeah for a long time it gets those dips and that's what naturally happens to elderly people's intestines however because of the collagen it was it was it was almost aging her, her intestines more um, she had chronic constipation for most of her life um, so actually it affected you know her, her ability to eat ability to go to the toilet ability to you know to actually manage it was a um, journey in itself so it's very interesting you point out about Crohn's and people not necessarily correlating Crohn's with an actual look or, or, or a, an actual um, way of behaving or appearing or both um, the fact of the matter is I think people just have to be more and more open-minded and more well-versed more educated in these areas because that's the only way um, you can gain knowledge is by just being aware that you haven't got any and that includes me you know if you if you are an internal not if you're a eternal novice if you just admit and be humble that I don't know anything about this or I've got limited knowledge. Like for example, I have limited knowledge on Chrome. So what you actually said to me was extremely interesting. So I would expect an open-minded general practitioner if you went into a um, into your local practice and you were having difficulties with Chrome's, I would expect a GP to read your notes and listen. Definitely, yeah. And actually, if you have further difficulties and you may, you know, God forbid, need any, you know, treatment that requires hospitalisation, again, about listening. The, and um, get hospital, it's about listening again and, and acknowledging your reality. It's effectively about acknowledging people's realities and taking a step back and realising that um, we, we always are in danger of putting our own realities onto other people. And I mean, we not in, in a collective sense, I just mean as human beings. Um, and it's about just taking yourself outside and thinking, how is that person's reality um, affecting them at this point or at this time? But yes. The, the, the thing with Crohn's is that there is no cure. So you have to take medication to like, help you have a immune system and don't have any pain as well because the thing of it, it they're so different there's like autism there's different types of crimes um, okay. um like you, you can have a bit of both I, I i've got something called patchy pans and that is the worst form of crimes and that it affects 
like everywhere it can affect it can affect you going to the toilet with Crohn's you can go to the toilet more than once uh, and that's why I like to relate because I'm like autism because everyone has a different experience and, and that's the joy of it everyone has a different experience like when I was diagnosed 27 in 2017 and I was, I was diagnosed with autism in 2009 so a bit of a difference there but for, from my Crohn's side uh, like the year of 2017 uh, I couldn't eat anything um, I, I, I was I lost a lot of weight I, I was very skinny as well and I had to get I had to like my, me and my family had to push to get appointments to see to other people because otherwise I would have needed surgery and uh, probably maybe certain organs taken out to to like help but luckily at the moment uh, I'm on medication where, uh, like, with Crohn's, it's called remission, where people can go in if they are like kind of like symptom like free for the minute for the time being. But that can all change for everyone. They don't get there. Some people do. Some people don't. Some people yeah. can get there for maybe a day, and then the next day they can get symptoms back. Some people can get it for years. So that's where everyone has different experience, and everyone is different. Is it? Is it just a? ask a question i'm sure you can correct me if i'm wrong is it anti-inflammatory drugs you take yeah yeah, yeah like there is advice for you to have like like those vitamins where like as you said before that it can um give you more of an immune system and it doesn't stop you from doing things as well where mm. I, I i know people that have uh i had a recent person on my podcast where he, he, he does um surfing like he goes, he's been to like 68 different countries, and he's got ulcerative colitis, another form of an inflammatory bowel disease, where right. where that, that kind of affects the colon, rather than where, where Crohn's affects a more deeper abs- aspect of your body. But with ulcerative colitis, it's, it it does have the same impact. It can be very uh, much a, like not nice, but like. I'd say I have a bit of both myself. I have a bit of Crohn's and colitis, so I do refer to having Crohn's because, like, of course you wouldn't. Like, it's not nothing to have, but like as we said before, like in the past I've had to use public toilets, um, in like the um, the disabled ones, and I have myself and a lot of people in the RBD community will have a like a card, like a just can't wait card, to say you need a toilet, and um. You will get the people looking at you like maybe someone's in the wheelchair and they, and they say to you, uh, "How come you need to go to the toilet?" And then and they're waiting for quite a long time, and and then I've had the off conversation saying that and I, just because I don't, maybe I don't look like disabled, uh, it doesn't mean that I can't use the toilet. I of course people do use it, just but some people aren't disabled, and I completely understand that. But uh, people do judge sometimes, and in the past where uh, I. I was quite interested about this situation. Um, I, I used, um, I, I went to the restaurant, and there's only staff toilets in the restaurant. And I, I asked them, can, can I use your toilet? I didn't tell them how Crohn's at the start. I said, can I use your toilet? And they said no. And then mm. I said, and then, then I went on and said, uh, I have Crohn's disease. Um, and, uh, and I said, do you know what that is? And they said they've heard of it because nowadays it's more known, more people have heard of Crohn's because friends also have it and then I did ask her if I can use it now I said I've got Crohn's they still said no so um, 
I, I got my just can't wait card and it's not it's not like the law you don't have to show it and they let you in it's totally up to them and they did let eventually let me through to go to the toilet because some people are crones like i wouldn't say it impacts me in that kind of way going to the toilet quite a lot because with people who have inflammatory bowel disease they can go 20 25 times a day really? and yeah they can go that many times and it, it's not it's not for everyone Luckily, myself, I don't have to go that many times, but it could all change in the future. Maybe it's known for IBD for people to have um, a stoma bag, and like, and that can help people quite a lot. And although yes. they are used for various different things, for not only Crohn's, but they have quite a lot of people's lives, and like, like, and it, and with this, and also another thing with Crohn's IBD is. It's known that that in your lifetime you're you're pretty certain to have surgery if you're quite young diagnosed as like a teenager. So it, um, it's more known for people to get diagnosed at that age. Uh, but like, who knows that? Well, there's there's no like like you don't really know how you got it really as well. And that's another thing that it's not something you can catch either. It's like like. Have theories about how, how you've got Crohn's. It could be uh, like maybe some new ate, something like I have to avoid eating things, spicy foods, can't have caffeine either. So I suppose that's an alright thing, not having caffeine, because that's not so good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you've obviously, again, you've done a lot of research, and that's what it's all about. It's about research, sharing information. Um, sharing your perspective, sharing your strategies, and then you build up um, uh, a community of people that may have it differently and also may have it similarly, and then you build up from um, from there, and that's that's why it's important. Gaps in knowledge can be filled. It's just about the people just sharing and being comfortable to share. I think that's. Um, extremely important that people feel able to share, and if they don't, it's that's equally. Yeah, that's, uh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, it's an interesting fit, although slightly different, um, but with parallels. Um, my father, because of his, he's in remission now, and he has a condition called Graves-Barré's disease. So basically, what that is is he's had um, T cell infusion. So he's got another person's immune system in his body to keep the leukemia suppressed. And um, he's told me some really, really shocking stories where um, when he goes into disabled parking, um, yet people have looked, um, people have stopped, and he can tell they're talking about him. People have actually gone up to his car. He actually was walking away from his car in near the local town. And he caught this person looking at his reg um, and looking at the the blue badge. Um, and it's almost the feeling I got from him was that he felt like a fraud or he was being treated as a fraud. Um, and you know, and it's that case of if it, is it worth it? And sometimes you, like yourself, you do have to stand up and be counted and say, actually, I need this because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and there have been, you know, times where dad has had to be quite terse with people and say, 
<laughs> maybe I can't repeat everything, but basically, you know, leave me alone to that. It's to that, it's distancing, basically, you know. You shouldn't technically be looking at my, um, my, my, my car. Um, and also, I would say that if he's, if one has got a blue badge and it's in date, there's no reason to keep looking at that car. Once you've, once you've seen that blue badge, that should be enough. Um, but it is this perception there's, uh, of disability. It's multifaceted. It's three-dimensional. Of course, there's physical disabilities. Of course, there's neurological disabilities which affect you physically. Um, but it, there's, as you put, put it more poignantly than me, really, is that it's, it is different presentations of disability and again, it's challenging the status quo of um, what that actually means uh, when someone is disabled, what that actually means for them, how it impacts their life, what helps them. Um, and again, it goes down to the general public. It can be a very unpredictable scenario if you're going into a public space like yourself, you need to go to the toilet. Um, you don't quite know how people are going to re going to react, um, and equally, slightly different uh, in many ways, and very different in others. My dad, you know, driving into a disabled space and potentially feeling shamed or um, made to feel like he shouldn't shouldn't be parking there. So, what can you do in that situation? It is difficult, isn't it? So you could educate, you could say, you know, I've got this and try to explain to them. Or you could just, it's a case of picking your battles, isn't it? There may be, there may be situations where this person, it doesn't matter how much you try and explain to them that they, they're not able to receive what you're saying uh, they're not able to internalize it maybe they are and it goes down to patterns of thinking you know ideas of what disability is and isn't ideas of um, what is right and what is wrong in terms of the moralistic view of um, I you know if someone's seeing someone park in a disabled space or going into a disabled toilet they may get ideas of who should go in there and who shouldn't and uh, you know, I've never had the experience you've had, um, you know, when I use a disabled toilet. However, and it is a big however, I, it took me ages to get used to the fact that I could use a disabled toilet. So that was my own internal issue, if that makes any sense. Um, so locally, I go to Oxford in Mar and Marks and Spencer's one of the stores. There is a, uh, a disabled toilet across the way, uh, opposite the restaurant. And yeah, for a time, I yeah, it took me, you know, ages to actually kind of marry up that that's an option um, and that, that I'm allowed to do it effectively. That that, that it's okay for me to to use the facilities effectively yeah 
I think that, like, as you say, there, the people out there who would judge, I don't like, 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 like you say with the blue badge and not allowing, but uh, saying, well, why are you part there? Why are you doing that? But I think, in the, the day, it's a uh, one is not kind of, it's not any other business to like, yeah, so not, not know that, and it's a. Uh, you could easily, like, say someone like, like lot, lot for your in your dad's experience, for example, if they are being like that and they're not going away, that that is kind of like an offence, like as well, like you're, you're, you're just kind of harassing you, saying why are you part there, like asking like 24 questions, but it like, like as you say, you can tell them like what you have or why you part there or you can go and just say uh, none of your business go away and uh, at the end of the day it's, it's just like that and like going back to the, the toilet situation where I got questioned and where like like the person was in the wheelchair and of course I understand why you can use it because you're in the wheelchair and you have those needs to you need that extra little bit of support to go to the toilet and everything like that but um i think in today's world that people do judge and there's not a lot we can do about it except from talking about our what we have and and more we talk about the more people will know and have that knowledge about it and like with autism and stuff like that and as we said before we all said that there's not everyone's going to know what that is and which is a shame and like it's hard to explain things that other people don't know because they're not going to get it straight away. It's going to take time. It, it, it took me time to understand what Crohn's was. Uh, I never heard of it before. Um, like, and similar with autism, where I was quite young, like the autism nine I was, and I, I ultimately thought it was a uh, it was something to be ashamed of. It, it, was, it was something that make you more dumb. That people are going to see you in a different way. People made me know more about something else than you do. Make might take me longer to process something like a piece of work. And and in my yeah. mind, I was always thinking that it's like everyone's doing things more faster than me. I, I'm more slower process. The the class are going quite fast, so I'm getting behind. And and then like realizing through the years where confidence was pretty bad, pretty low at the start. Through the years talking about it, where Everyone is okay for what I understand when people don't speak about those things because they maybe feel that other people won't understand or they, they just maybe themselves need to gain that confidence to do that. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, self esteem and uh, confidence and feeling safe is, is important. So, feeling safe in an environment for anybody is. is is where you you get the best out of people it's building that sort of emotional infrastructure first and then seeing where that goes um, yeah and, that, and that's in any setting so it could be educationally um, it could be um, perspective of employment it could be from the perspective of like going into hospital um, it's about having an infrastructure which is open um, to all sorts of people. I mean, effectively, it should be egalitarian, shouldn't it? It should be um, open for all um, in terms of it shouldn't matter who you are, 
what you look like, sex, gender, colour, race, culture, it should, it should not be an issue. Um, it's, it's a person's character that you, you should be looking at. Um, and certainly not judging on the things I listed as 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 a, as a as a something to a be judged and something to condemn someone for, which is um, completely bigoted. So we have to unlearn bigotry. Bigotry comes in so many different forms, um, and unlearning it is is an exercise in taking reflection of your environment. And what and it and actually thinking about what you're saying, but not only thinking about what you're saying, thinking about what your belief systems are. Yeah. Where has that where has that belief system come from? Yeah, Why am I thinking a certain way? Why does that um, how does that have an impact on how I interact with certain people because I think in a certain way? And then you you, you have to um, you know it's an exercise in it, it, tolerance is is not the best word because tolerance means or at least implies to me that you're putting up with someone you don't necessarily want them to be there but you're putting up with them and there's different forms of tolerance so i'm going to tolerate him or tolerate her i don't agree with aspects of their person but i'll tolerate them anyway um that's certainly not the way to go um, tolerance is about understanding, um, you know, I think tolerance is a mirror on yourself. You know, can you tolerate yourself being that way rather than seeing tolerance as an existential thing where you have to tolerate certain people? It's, 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 it's how, how do you manage your own, um, your own changes in perspective? So, in that way, you have to uh, to build a, a better society. It's this sort of group mentality I don't like. Even in the autism community, it, it's riddled with politics and um, certain things you can and can't say. And this infighting that I've seen on Facebook, I, I try my best to stay out of it. And there's a very good reason why I stay out of it is it's not healthy it's not objective it's not information sharing it's not um actually accessible for a lot of people so what what is that actually telling people what is that actually communicating with people if that community is like that what is that saying so maybe we need to look at the the broader aspects of this about you know the perception of putting people in groups um that we we need to really reflect on what that is and why we do it or why we feel we have to do it as people um, because it damages people and it's not just people with disabilities it damages people of uh, different you know different genders that are exploited different because of the color of one's skin or because of coming from a different country from you or a mixture of, of many different factors. And we really need to think about what that actually means for the future, for future generations. What do we want to, what do we want to improve on? We can improve in technology, we can improve in machinery, but I don't think that's the answer in the bigger picture. I think, uh, I think 
this goes all into education about different things because like mm. like I've always said like with autism that like like because having to explain yourself maybe having a job and explaining what autism is and hearing people that like in my experience I in the past I've had to explain what autism is and quite surprisingly having to explain what it is hearing that some people at the workplace don't know never heard of it and like they may have heard of it a tiny little bit but don't know nothing about it and that was quite surprising to me because thinking that autism is getting more notice noticeable um that has been around for quite a long time as well and you would have thought people would know about it but and i going into that is thinking that maybe if people at schools and even mainstream schools as well that they have like even though there's teacher training as well and, and that's more like going to a special school as well which is good about them but like i think and maybe having that education going into even the students even the, even like the children knowing about what autism is as well and just like like in, i think it's in everyday life now you'll you'll hear that about that someone will have autism or know of autism but if we all have a kind of idea what it is I think it'd be so much easier as well. Yeah, you, what you do, you, you introduce people to different, ex- you're basically introducing people to different experiences um, and different livelihoods and different people and different ways of, of, of living um, uh, in terms of environment, in terms of culture, but now, so you can, if you can introduce those things to people, you can introduce um, autism in, in a framework um, where you're you're saying that the, the reality is that there are people at this school who who are on the autism spectrum or have a diagnosis etc. Um, so what, what you're you're doing is you're trying to build bridges, not burn them. You're you're, you're not you the, the the thing the way in which I look at autism is I don't demonise it, but I don't glamorise it either. Yeah. So I, I, I don't like glamorization. That makes me equally uncomfortable as someone demonizing. I go for balance, moderacy. It's not apathy. I'm not indifferent. But what I'm going for in terms of my approach is um, a moderate approach, which is you're a human being um, and... Um, you're a human being first and I know there's issues around identity first language what do you use do you say I'm an autistic person or do you say I'm a person with autism Um, and that can get very politicized and how I view it is is that autism and it's my personal opinion so it's up for debate just like anything else I say or anybody says so the way I look at that is autism when it was diagnosed particularly in the early days it it was diagnosed as an experience so it was an adjective it wasn't a noun so it was an experience the person was having multifaceted experience so for example i experienced face blindness but face blindness isn't me i experience it just like i experience uh language processing challenges or um, object blindness or, or meaning blindness or the fact that um, I, I struggle with, you know, a simultaneous sense of self and other, so being monotracked, 
that to me, it, it's a stacking of different conditions. So I kind of get the balance between looking at medical model and the um, social model. They can be married up into a more diverse bridge building model where you're actually actually creating these different bridges of differences and commonalities. So the reason why I say person with autism is that we're all born human beings. Yeah. All of us. There are seven billion people on this planet. And I think it's rather worrying if you want to define someone by one word. Because all human beings are patchwork quilts. There's nothing unique or special about autism, but I'm not saying that to offend. I'm saying that because I, I seek balance. If we seek balance, that's where we listen the most. If you take away all your cladding and all your uh, predispositions of anything and remain balanced, you learn, you listen. Um, and it's effectively about um, not viewing it as a commodity or, or, or something that you may lose if, if you gain this particular piece of knowledge you're actually gaining something. So that's my view on it. I know I'm gonna be disagreed on a lot because I say person with autism, They'll, but I put it down to A, personal experience, and B, it's the semantics that I feel comfortable with. First myth-busting thing I'm gonna say is I don't, I'm not ashamed of autism because I, I don't, it's here and on there. I don't put it here and I don't put it there. So it's, it's in the middle. So my autism rides along with my personhood. My personhood um, is the fact that I'm idiosyncratic, the fact that I'm mercurial, the fact that I'm solitary, the fact that I'm serious, the fact that I'm self-sacrificing. All human beings have four to six personality types. So um, I think we need to really reconfigure what, what in, as time goes on, what we actually think autism is. Because if it becomes a commodity, if it becomes something political, if it becomes something where if you have a slightly different point of view, you're out of the club. Well, I wouldn't want to be a part of a club like that. So, yeah, we even within communities, there's interbigotry. There's, there's these own biases that come out. There's these own frictions that come out. So it wouldn't it be nice if people could just be objective and adult enough to say, well, that's your opinion, that's fine. Or um, actually be humble enough to say, well, I don't experience the same things as you, but that's interesting to hear. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think you're right. Everyone is entitled to their own opinions and you're all, you, you will get people who who will like have their own opinion and like say and say what they feel as well and like 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 um which it, it, it's kind of understandable because we have all, all our own opinions as well but yeah. i think that i think that's what humans do <laughs> we will have our opinions and everything yeah, yeah. yeah you're absolutely right it's a human condition to have an opinion on something um, it's whether you can take it, it's whether you can acknowledge it, um, it's whether you can change it if you feel it needs to be changed. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it, it, if, yeah, listening is such a powerful thing. 
it, it, it's it's it, it's such a powerful thing we, that we forget that it, it can be done. Listening can be the start of a relationship, a friendship, or or a new journey. It, it, you know, listening can be a beautiful. Um, life-changing experience um, in my in my opinion it, it, it really can uh, Paul well I think it's been a, a brilliant chat like speaking to you Paul because we've covered quite a lot as well and uh, yes. like spoken about a lot a lot of points as well strands autism and also uh, like how, how the pandemic has been and our like views on it yes yeah. Yeah, it's been great talking to you definitely well for, thank you again Paul uh uh, and continue with all your awareness, all the work, and all, all your speeches. Yeah. Will this be uploaded or? Yeah, it it, it, it will, Paul. Well, well, for, 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 thank you again, Paul, and uh, have a nice rest of the day. Yeah, lovely speaking to you.